Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. In 40 short moments, it will be Christmas Day. And the world has already been celebrating and it will continue to celebrate the next day. And many people are rushing about last minute, probably wrapping presents or tidying up and doing dishes. Or There are others who are rushing home from their jobs and those who are rushing off to work right now. But in this moment, as we're gathered here, it's a time for us to simply abide. Most people who come to an 11 o'clock Christmas Eve worship service are pretty familiar with the nativity story. We see it, maybe we've grown up with it, maybe we have them in our homes, and we're very aware of this quirky little tale about a couple with this auspicious child. They come to their hometown to be counted. They find no room at the inn or anywhere else where all of their relatives have gathered. And they take refuge in a stable. And under less than optimal circumstances, a young Mary gives birth to her firstborn child surrounded by animals in a less than hygienic, much less holy setting. And we see it so often that sometimes we don't pay attention to just how incredible that is. That God on high, the maker and creator of heaven and earth, should choose under these circumstances to come and be our Emmanuel, God with us. And what does that mean for us? That this is the way that Christ entered into the world. Not triumphantly, not born in a palace, not with the fanfare under the golden light of day, but instead under the darkness of night. When most of the world had gone to bed, God chose to bless a few who were awake and abiding. And so Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angels who heralded the arrival, they were a small group that had gathered together to be blessed, to be some of the first to see the newborn king. And you are like that. Some of you are here and other members of your household are hopefully at home asleep and not going through the presents. Others are probably asleep because you had a wonderful dinner. And yet here you are. It's a decision. It's a choice. And all throughout the evening, I've had the opportunity to glimpse maybe miracles. I don't know, maybe miracles. When a family comes and says, you won't believe this, my uncle's here. He never goes to church. That could be a miracle for that family. Or to watch people who every single time we have communion don't take communion, and then tonight, tonight is the night that they take communion. It's an incredible thing. And at our last service, there's a young girl who attends our church who is developmentally disabled, and she has never been able to figure out how to receive the bread and dip it in the cup and take it both together. It's just been beyond her. Tonight, she did it. And her mother stood there, and she said, that is a Christmas miracle. I almost lost it. To be able to see something that we take for granted, 
We take for granted that we have the dexterity, that we are capable of performing these minute but very precise gestures. We take for granted that every single day since Christ was born, God has been with us. We take it for granted that what we received that day was the inauguration of a kingdom built for every single person. And that we live in a world that does not yet reflect that glory. It's so interesting to look at the ways in which Jesus encountered people. Oftentimes, Jesus chose to approach people in small groups and have transformative conversations. Or he would have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with people. He once walked up to the woman at the well, and she was coming to the well in the hot of the day because she was shunned by others. She refused to be around the other women because they looked down on her for her perceived immorality. And here she comes, and she finds Jesus, and she engages him in a surprisingly intellectual and theological conversation. And at the end of that, he reveals to her not only that he knows her, but that he can forgive her. That is what we have received. That is what we have been given. And I don't have to tell you that. You're here at 11 o'clock at night. But the point is that there is so much of the world that is sleeping, and I don't mean literally, I mean spiritually. There are so many people who haven't yet comprehended that God has done all of this for them. Jesus was just the beginning of the ways in which God wanted to continue to bless us. And every Christmas, people worry about timing, you know, whether we're talking about putting an elaborate meal on the table or getting everybody to the right place, picking up relatives coming in and out of town, making sure we get everything accomplished so that we can have the perfect Christmas. And we worry about if we're too late. Have we missed the boat? Is it over? Maybe there are things that you're just not going to get done. Probably not before Christmas. But it's okay. Because the greatest work of Christmas was done long before you or I were ever born. The real work of Christmas was reminding the world that God not only created it, but God still loves it, is still present, wants it to go on to perfection, to be a place where everybody knows that there's room in the inn for them. And that's one of the reasons why at this worship service especially, we partake in Holy Communion. Because it reminds us, not only did Jesus promise us as he ascended, that there would be a room for us. In my Father's house there are many rooms. And I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus says. But Jesus also says that for those of us who have concerns over where we live, who have struggled with homelessness or security in our houses, whatever our state is, that there is a room. He also says to those who have struggled with hunger, who have known what it is like not to be able to eat a good meal, he says to them, there is a table where you shall always be fed and you shall have your fill. And his ex expectation is that we begin to live that out now. That those of us who know very well the Christmas story, those of us who understand why it's important, despite all the activity and all the hustle and bustle, to pause for just an hour to be here, to dedicate ourselves to the honor and glory of God, it's important for us 
to continue. When Jesus was born, plenty of people could have heard the good news. All of Bethlehem was probably sleeping at the time. But people had been praying and asking and petitioning God for the Messiah. For generations, for hundreds of years, they said, Please, God, when? When will you send us a Savior? We are battered and bruised. We are a people who have been conquered and dispersed. We have lived in exile, and you have brought us back. But now we face continued troubles. There is a new conqueror, and now we kneel before Rome. When, Lord, when will our day come? And many feared it was too late, that the time had passed, that the golden days were in the past, and now they would suffer. But it's never too late. And if they had been paying attention to the prophecies, to the prophets, to those who continually encouraged them to cling to hope, then no one should have been surprised that the Savior was born that night. But there are always a remnant, a few, who choose to be patient, to abide, to wait, so that you are ready to celebrate. That is why. This gathering here is unlike any other. We will have done eight worship services by noon tomorrow in 48 hours. It's a lot of worship. But nothing comes close to the atmosphere and the feeling of those who go above and beyond to choose to be here, to choose to give up what could be a precious hour of sleep or preparation or rest so that you may come And when you leave, you will have entered into Christmas Day. And why? Why is that so important? Because it's about the transformation. People woke up the day after Jesus was born, and most of them never knew it. They were never impacted. They didn't understand just what God had done for them. But tomorrow, we have our chance. We have our opportunity to say, Lord, we came and we saw. And like the shepherds who went away telling everyone the good news, we have that opportunity to share that Christmas has come again. And because Christmas is coming again, it is never too late. God has not shunned us. God has not rejected us. This is proof. Christmas has come again. And it is an opportunity to begin once more the path of discipleship, to choose to love others as we have been first loved, to forgive, to encounter, to celebrate, to testify, whatever it is that God places upon our hearts, this is a new year. And this night is to equip us to do that good work, to feed us, to nurture us, to teach our voices to sing once more the songs of the Savior, so that tomorrow we have the opportunity to really put this evening into purpose, to place it in the midst of our lives and do something different tomorrow than we did today. One of the last things I want to share with you is what Jesus proclaimed right after he was baptized and tested in the wilderness. Jesus came back to his home synagogue. And while he was there, he had the opportunity to read a high privilege, and so he picked the scroll of Isaiah, and he opened it up, and he read this, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me 
He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord to display his glory. And then he boldly proclaimed to them that the fulfillment of that prophecy had happened right there in their reading. And they were angry. They resented that he would dare to say that. And they say the same things that we say, right? This is this Joseph's boy. He grew up here. Who does he think he is? It's not who he thinks he is. It's who we know he is. We know that Christ is our Lord and Savior. We know it and we're willing to show it with our presence here, with our intentionality, and with our decision on how to go forth from this place. So tonight, as you're thinking about what you may want to do tomorrow or what you have to do tomorrow, I hope that you will have a moment where you can simply reflect on all that God has done just so that you can have tomorrow. Every prophecy, every text, every herald the angels gave, all of it was for us to have one more day to recognize and realize that it is never too late. And if it's not too late for us, it is not too late for others. Because there is always room at the table. There is always room in God's house. And there will always be room in the kingdom for all people. And perhaps we will continue to celebrate Christmas year after year until everyone discovers that blessed truth. That God has been at work for them. And God will be at work in and through us. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.